Welcome to Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com, the show that's all about handwriting analysis. Now, here's your host, Dave Grayson. You're at the right place, Handwriting Secrets Revealed. I'm Dave Grayson, and we're here to talk about handwriting analysis. And on today's show, we're going to talk about defiance, how defiance can be good and bad, uh, the way it's used. We're going to talk about spacing, the spacing between letters and words and lines. And finally, we're going to talk about what your employer may know about you. So you need to be ready for that. I want to remind you to take a look at our website, handwritingsecretsrevealed.com. There's a number of uh, different things you can go to that direct you to certain areas. One is if you're a... A human resource person or you're looking to hire just the right person, you have a couple candidates in mind and you're not sure which one, have their handwriting done. And we not only can give you a written report, but we can give you a nice detailed graph and chart about where they would fit in as far as with management or uh, operational skills or uh, salesmanship or whatever. We can just kind of fine-tune that according to what your needs are. Another one is compatibility. If you're looking for someone for assistance in helping you with something, or maybe you're looking for a spouse, maybe you're dating someone, you're not sure, maybe you have a couple people in mind for uh, a deal you want to put through, we can do that for you. We can compare the two and contrast the both writings. It's also good if you're thinking of purchasing or buying something from somebody and you want to find out if they're reliable or not. Uh, job opportunities. You know, people are graduating from college, they're in heavy debt, and they're not finding jobs. They're having to go home and live with mom and dad and uh, maybe looking at working at a low-paying job. Well, they have this big college debt. Well, we can help you to discover what talents you have and maybe which is the best way to direct yourself as far as uh, looking for a job, what your skills are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and where you might fit into the whole scheme of things. And that's something we're going to talk about a little bit later in today's program. Then there's genealogy. Genealogy is finding out about your ancestors. Now, when we go back before 1920 or so, uh, handwriting wasn't being taught in schools. And in fact, many people didn't attend schools. And if they did, they usually went up to maybe grade four, eight, or uh, sometimes high school. But a lot of times schools ended in, in eighth grade after about six, seven, or eight years. And so they couldn't write, or they could just make their different marks. And they all had their own form of writing, their own form of letters. So um, it, it's very difficult sometimes to get a good personality profile without a lot of studying on the uh, particular style of the time. It even allows us to look at different parts of the country, some parts of countries made their S's look like a letter F. And way out west, the S's were often made to look like the letter L. So um, it's, it just takes a lot more 
digging and looking at the area where the person was from as far as their personality. But what really helps about genealogy is you will finally learn about the personality of the person. You know where they lived. You learn what they uh, did for a job. You learn where they traveled and all the things about their uh, life, but you don't know them as a person. And through handwriting, we can give you some idea of what the person was like. Of course, there's not a lot of writing usually, so we don't get as much material out of it, but we certainly can give that person a personality. And maybe you just want to find out about yourself. You want to know what other people think they see in you. You want to find out what you think you see in yourself, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and and we can certainly help you that way. Another way is cursive, learning cursive. Cursive, as we talked about a program or so ago, is not being taught in schools. And there's a, a push now to put cursive handwriting back for a number of reasons. One, there's there's more uh, interest and knowledge about the brain and how important the brain is in development. And part of that development is with cursive handwriting. Uh, but the the website really doesn't do anything except take you to uh, another website, the New American Cursive website, and uh, they sell handwriting books for adults uh, so you don't have to have these little pictures around there like they do in grade schools. It's an adult handwriting book, so if, you're not, if you can't write or you're not uh, happy with your handwriting, you can change it through one of the books. Um, there's also a set of books for homeschool students. So if you are a homeschooler or you know people that homeschool, you belong to a homeschool club, uh, you can look at this and see the cursive uh, uh, workbook that they have. It was created by Iris Hatfield, who also happens to be a handwriting analyst, and what she did, she took a lot of the negative things out of the handwriting. She took low self-esteem out. She took temper out. She took frustration out. She took anger out. She took lying out. And she threw in a lot of positive traits. So as your child begins, it kind of gives them a, a little bit of a, a heads up and a head of the game. But I'd like to start talking a little bit about the secret thrill of being defiant. Defiance means to rebel, to resist, or to break the rules. The rebel, the class clown, the troublemaker, the fighter, which one are you? Do you follow the rules or do you make up your own rules? I found one interesting personality trait in the vast majority of very successful entrepreneurs, and that trait is defiance. Defiance is in many entrepreneurial people. The tendency to break the rules, to rebel, or to fi- or defy the status quo seems to be a reoccurring theme in literature of heroes and superstars and the super successful. Now, Dr. Thomas Stanley's research book in The Millionaire Mind indicates that most millionaires claim one important skill helped them achieve success, and that skill was to think differently from the crowd. Be a little bit more defiant in how you look at things. 
Clearly, you don't have to break the rules to get into, in order to get into trouble to think differently. But research firmly indicates that people who make straight A's have perfect legible handwriting and have perfect spelling are the least likely students to become self-made millionaires. It's just kind of a shattering statistic. Again, uh, people who have straight A's and perfect legible handwriting and perfect spelling are the least likely to become self-made millionaires or entrepreneurs. There is one personality trait in handwriting analysis that proves this point, and that's the trait that we talked about it before. It's called the go-to-hell trait. We talked about it many times on this program because it's such an important trait of the personality. A capital K in a word that should not contain the capital K, it should have a lowercase k, but if it contains a capital K, it indicates defiance. Or if the K is a lowercase k, but is made overly large or with a big buckle, that's defiance. Look around at the entrepreneurs and pioneers of the world. Many of them have this type of K. So do the class clowns and criminals and troublemakers. So that defiance can be used in both ways. It can be used as a plus factor. It can be used as a negative factor. A person who follows all the rules and proper protocol are not usually the entrepreneurs. Individuals who follow rules and regulations are good people. They're nice people. However, they are more concerned about making things work well and doing things properly, so they're not really concerned about thinking outside of the box. I have the handwriting of a very successful man in his mid-50s, a defiant rule-breaker in his youth. He still bucks the trends. His optimism is critical to his success. His pointy M's are the sign of quick thinking and intelligence. He has a high buckle K, sometimes a capital K where it doesn't belong, and that reveals his defiant, rebellious nature. Even his sharp T-point indicates some sarcasm. It's the writing of legendary radio host Jack Diamond. Jack was host hosted one of the longest-running morning radio shows in the USA that was in Washington, D.C. Now, a career in morning radio is about as close to being a creative entrepreneur while still having a boss as you can get. In reality, Jack is both a successful on-air personality and off-air entrepreneurial businessman. Morning radio and other forms of performance, comedy, tends to attract people with defiant, sarcasm, and other fun but trouble-making qualities. And we can love them, but they can drive you crazy also. The simplest act of making a big K where a small K is supposed to be indicates a person's dislike of following rules. In other words, defiance. This trait is common among troublemaking kids in school, high school especially. Uh, the troublemakers make those large Ks in their writing. Fighters, uh, many types of people, both successful and non-successful, make the big K, the defiance K. Defiance is another defense mechanism a quality in a person that is always ready to resist forces which they think are interfering or, or actually infringing upon their freedom of action. The defiant person 
doesn't like to be managed, and is always alert for any sign of unjust authority. This trait is shown by exaggeration in the middle of the structure. In other words, the K could be a capital K, or that little buckle in the K could be very large. With the exaggeration of a letter within a word, usually it takes a form of a capital letter, but it can be enlargement of any stroke formation. So defiance is usually found in a K. However, if it's in a different letter, it can be a little bit lighter form of defiance, but it's still defiance. What we're saying is that the upper portion of the stroke, the area that's in the philosophical area, is exaggerated. Most handwriting analysts talk about the defiant K. The buckle of this K is not in the mundane area. It's up in the philosophical area. So it's thinking of ways to be different. When it invades the philosophical zone, we know then that we have defiance. We also realize that the circle on the K becomes imagination if it's wide. And so this will enlarge defiance. Any circle is imagination. We can also include a capital R in the middle of a letter, and you will find M's and N's that reach up, way up from the line of reality, out of proportion into the philosophical area. When a defiant person meets you, he'll tell you, I'm sorry you don't like my doing this, but that's the way I'm going to do it, whether you like it or not. Now, defiance is a defense, a defense of the ego. It says, I defy you to criticize me to attempt to hurt me. It is important to check the defiant writer's handwriting thoroughly to see what other traits are inherent in the handwriting. For instance, if there were stubbornness in good measure, the defiant person would be very hard to overcome. Then, let us consider defiance in combination with persistence and a very heavy writing. We know then that if you add stubbornness, the defiant person with persistence and depth of feeling would fight even harder. If he were domineering and sarcastic, we'd also know that he'd have a chip on his shoulder, which he'd be looking at to get in trouble, to do things. He'd almost have a reason to knife somebody. Uh, so when you take one trait and add other negative traits onto it, it really increases the problem. Although defiance is probably a negative trait most of the time, Bob Burnup of Independence, Missouri, told me, he's a well-known handwriting analyst, that he took all the mail that came to him from all over the country and did an evaluation on defiance. The results were very surprising, for his evaluation showed that 67% of those he checked were defiant. So you can look at just one letter of a handwriting to find out how well or how poorly someone responds to controls, rules, orders, commands, or threats. The personality trait is very common among Americans. Remember the American Revolution of 1776. Remember Pearl Harbor. Remember 9-11. All these things are based on the overwhelming need to defy the odds, face the threats, and stomp down on those who would steal our freedom. Americans will continue to be defiant, but again, we can use defiance in two ways, in a good way and in a bad way. So um, 
Check out your capital K's or large K's for defiance. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Handwriting Secrets Revealed. And now, more Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com. Here's Dave Grayson. Welcome, and thanks for returning. We're going to talk this portion about spacing between words and between letters and what that means. We all require space in our lives. We need space to grow, to be ourselves, to exercise our diversity. In short, space is a vital component in everyone's life. Some need more space, some need less space, and some want a lot of space. In handwriting analysis, spacing between words shows how much distance you want to keep from the people around you, whereas spacing between letters indicates the extent of how you express yourself, how free you feel to express yourself. Graphologist Sheila Lowe says, The amount of space a writer leaves between words is a good indication of how much personal space she demands from others and the degree of self-restraint she uses in social situations. What is a normal amount of space between words? Well, a good rule of thumb is to use the width of a letter M in the writing you are analyzing. So if you see spacing and it looks like you could fit an M in there, then it's normal spacing. If it's very wide spacing, you put a couple letters in between each word, then it's wide spacing. If they're very close together, of course, it's narrow spacing. Sheila Lowe is the writer of the book, The Idiot's Guide to Handwriting Analysis. And she has written several novel mysteries that involve handwriting analysis to solve the cases. We'll talk about wide spacing between words. If the spacing between words in your handwriting is very wide, it clearly shows that you have developed trust issues and therefore you are unable to establish a steady relationship with fellow humans around you. It's like stretching out your arm and keeping people at bay at great length from you so they don't get too close to you, they don't find too much out about you. Some writers mostly keep quiet, and avoid getting into discussion and arguments. A girl whose handwriting I analyze had this type of handwriting. Excuse me. <clears throat> she had this type of, I'll call her, uh, <coughs> I, I did an analysis. And I call it, do you love company or do you want to be left alone? Your handwriting will tell. I'm going to talk about the handwriting analysis of one of my clients, a girl who subconsciously created a distance between herself and others. As a result, she felt as if stranded on an island all by herself, totally isolated. Among other things, her handwriting had wide word spacing. I asked, why do you keep such distance from people around you? I asked that to the 22-year-old real estate secretary who had come from Homer Glen to meet me recently for a succession of handwriting analysis and counseling. Here's is a synopsis of our conversation. Sitting across the table, the girl whom I call Cheryl did not say words. She just shrugged and gave a nervous smile. 
We discussed her personality in brief, and now we were touching upon a very sensitive part of her life. I looked at her, I looked at her handwriting and more closely, and I continued to say, you hardly allow people to get close to you. As a result, there may be just a person or two in your life who have access to you, who really know you, and who know how you really feel. She smiled again, but it was clear she did not want to say anything. I knew I had to make her talk, so I also took a pause. A pause is a great technique in using in counseling or therapy with an individual. We all feel uncomfortable when nothing is being said, when there is quiet in the room. Quiet can become very loud in our mind. So often the client will say something, and that begins a conversation. After the silence became a little uncomfortable, Cheryl said, Shall I tell you something? There was a pause again, quite a long pause. And then she said, I feel very lonely, hard as I may try, but I find it difficult to let intimacy grow between me and someone I like. Because of that, I am sailing through life all alone, in my own boat, very few friends, and very little social life. Now, looking at her handwriting, I found out, found out that she kept people at bay and had therefore become lonely in her life. She had wide spaces between the words. It's extremely wide and irregular. Ideally, the spacing should be twice the size of a middle zone letter, such as an A or an O or an M or an N. In Cheryl's case, it was much more than that, which indicated the distance she keeps between herself and others, a far distance. However, most of her letters were connected, which reflects her need for people. It's like holding hands. When you connect all the letters in the writing, it's like holding hands. You want people. But the wide spacing said that she couldn't handle it. She didn't know how to do that. In short, she was torn between what she does and what she needs. I drew a few lines on the sample of a writing and said, there was something that happened to you when you were 15, 16, a teenager in years. I see a clear indication that the seed of distrust inside you was sown about that time. Your handwriting says that the issues you faced around that time of your life are responsible for your lack of faith, which has turned you into a person who feels it's safe to be with yourself only and to keep others away. However, the handwriting also says that your internal need is to stay close to people. You need them. Cheryl, this paradox is pulling you in two different directions, and that is your main problem. Tell me, what happened to you back then? Well, it's a long story. Would you want to listen, she said? And I said, yes. And I leaned back and waited. It took her a while before she started to respond. Then she started. As I look back now, the entire episode appears silly and insignificant. But it was not so at the time. I was just 16 years old and a teenager. It did affect me. I had just taken admissions to college and had made some new friends. I grew a liking for a guy in college. It was like a crush, and I told one of my friends. Soon the guy also came to know, and I liked him, too. I don't know how he got 
to know it, but he finally found out from somebody, probably my friend, that I also liked him. Surprisingly, after becoming aware of my feelings for him, he started behaving in an odd manner. He would often stare at us and pass comments. Although it was very irritating, we decided not to react, my friend and I. It went on for a few months. First year passed and then second came. I still liked him and my friends knew all about it. They continued to tease me about it. But I lacked my feeling deep inside. But the guy's behavior made no sense to me. Later it turned out that he actually liked my friend. I could never come to terms with the fact that he could grow feelings for my friend despite knowing that I was fond of him. After a few weeks, my friend also admitted that she was interested in him. I was shocked and shattered. I felt betrayed. She was my best friend and was romantically involved with this guy, the guy I liked. I don't know whether my reaction was right or wrong, but the incident sent me inside inside a hard shell. Cheryl told me many other things, which, of course, I won't disclose. Her narrative had clearly established what the strokes in her handwriting were revealing. The analysis session went on for about two hours, during which a number of things about her were discussed. But we resolved mostly about the problem of her being a shell of a life, which she was slowly nibbling at her and kind of making her pretty unhappy. Her writing showed that at a subconscious level, she had begun behaving in a way which ensured that people did not get close to her. You can see that while analyzing her handwriting, I drew many other situations from her handwriting to arrive at a conclusion about her personality. But those facts were already, actually those facts were there, but they were for her ears and I'm not going to reveal them here. In order to deal with her problem, I gave her a few handwriting exercises, including a change in her signature. I recommended a change in her signature because it was the size was very, very small. A small signature, as I've said before, indicates that the writer is introverted in public. The signature was compounding her problem because it did not let her go beyond her mistrust and hardly allowed her to approach others with any kind of confidence. After the analysis was over, she left for home. A couple of hours later, an email message from her landed in my mailbox. You know what? The email said, I broke down on the way home. I promised to do my exercise properly and to get out of this mess that I'm in. But before you make up your mind that wide spacing is in is usually negative, uh, I must tell you that it's not always negative. Often very creative people choose a high level of personal space in order to find time for their own passion. Many of the great artists, the actors, the sports figures, they have to make personal time for themselves. So they go overboard in wide spacing of letters so that they don't have to deal with people all the time. They need that break from reality. They need that break from dealing with people all the time because they're in such uh, careful confines. So normally wide spacing is is a trait of keeping people away. 
and oftentimes it's in a negative side, but there's a positive side to it also, in that you want time for yourself, time to be able to take a break. And we're going to take a little break, and then we'll come back and talk some more about spacing between words. You're listening to HandwritingSecretsRevealed.com. Let's return to Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Dave Grayson. Thank you very much. We're talking about spacing between words and letters and lines. We finished talking about wide spacing in handwriting. If you're writing a sentence and there's big spaces between words, that means you want to keep space between you and the next person. If the writing is very close together... You always need to have somebody with you, whether it's going to the movies or to the mall or shopping or anything else. You want somebody with you. Uh, but uh, wide spacing means you want to keep people at bay. We're going to talk about normal spacing between words. If the spacing between words in your handwriting is normal, it means that you live in harmony with your surroundings, and that's very important. If your handwriting has average word spacing, it shows you are capable of building a healthy relationship with the people around you. There is no confusion in your mind about how close you should allow some people to come to you. You know that some people should be further away and some people could be closer. Writers with average word spacing in their handwriting can become friendly with several people with the same degree of intimacy and yet Keep their distance also. So normal spacing is very healthy. You've got a very healthy attitude about yourself. Normal, uh, narrow spacing between words. Someone whose handwriting has closer word spacing is often found to be in need of constant contact with people around them, which makes them feel good. Unless they have somebody near them, they feel uncomfortable and kind of lonely. Such needs are often derived for feelings of insecurity, which compels the writer to seek solace in the company of others. They don't like to be open to others. They want to be with somebody all the time, so they have that security. If the narrow word spacing coincides with large handwriting, the need to keep in touch with people becomes an inexplicable necessity for such writers. Large handwriting means that you like people. You want to have people around you. So if you take large writing, plus there's very narrow spaces between, you are overly anxious if you are alone. In fact, you don't want to do anything alone because you're very afraid. So we talked about spacing between words. I like to talk about a little bit of spacing between lines. You know, you write, say, three lines of writing. And in the writing, there's Y's and G's and J's and H's and L's and K's. Those are strokes that go up and strokes that go down. If the lines bump into each other, in other words, uh, a J might hit the K that's uh, below it. Uh, H might hit the G that's above it. These people are people who just get involved in too many things. 
In other words, if the writing bumps into each other, that's the way they are. They're just all over the place. They bounce off the walls. They're not organized. They get confused. They'll start one task. They won't finish it. They'll start another task. They won't finish that. They just have a lot of things undone, and there's a lot of confusion in their life because the writing is bumping into each other. They don't take time to kind of arrange things. If there's the three or four lines of writing and the upper, or the first line does not interfere at all with the second line, and the second line doesn't interfere with the third line or the first line. Those are people who are very well organized. They got a place for everything and everything in its place, and they're very good at multitasking. The person that has the lines that overlap and cross each other, they multitask, but it's confusion multitask. It's not proper. But if they there's nice spacing in between and the lines don't bump into each other. Those are the people you want to be able to put in charge of something because they can handle six or seven things at the same time. So a lot with analyzing of handwriting, not just with letters, but with spacing. Uh, someday we'll talk about margins, the left margin being narrow or wide, the top margin big or small, the bottom margin uh, large or small, the, the left margin, right margins, all different. What we really want to look at in the writing is writing on a piece of paper is like a picture frame. And if you hang a picture, usually you want to put that picture in a frame and make it nice and centered in the pic, inside the frame. If you don't do that, it looks off kilter. There's something wrong. Well, it's the same way with the handwriting on a piece of paper. You want the paper to, to be proper and the writing within that paper to, to look like it's been framed. But if it's not, then all those things tell us about people. We're going to talk now a little bit about what your employer can know about you and sometimes why it's important to find out about yourself so that you know what the employer can find out about you. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, it used to be just about that simple, but not anymore. The number and kinds of professions have proliferated with an ever-ending global market and rise of technology and the complexity of our increasing urbanized landscape. Where do you fit in? It's not simple like it used to be. Wherever it is, it is important that you keep current with the job market because the job market changes. And years and years ago, it was always... um, People stayed with the company. They started with, say, Sears Roebuck. They ended with Sears Roebuck. They started with Montgomery Wards. They ended with Montgomery Wards. Uh, now people average about 10 to 12 years in a job, and then they go on to something else, maybe bigger, better, or now in this economy with so many companies folding or closing or merging, uh, there's a lot of changes in your life. Are you looking for a new job? Are you about to change careers? How do you stand out from the hundreds or even thousands who often apply for a single job opening? How are you going to catch the eye of a prospective employer? One important way to do that is to know your strengths and to be able to communicate them in an interv- in an interview. When you go in an interview, um, you know, a lot of young people will ask, you know, how many days off a, a year do I have? They ask questions like that, but you want to go in with the idea of 
You want to tell them what you can do, how you can add something to the company, to the uh, employment place that you're going to be at. And you do that by, if you have your handwriting analyzed and you have a whole handful of things that you can say, I'm good at this and this and this and this and this, those are my specialties. And the best way to get ready for the interview, as I said, is to have your handwriting analyzed. The analysis will not tell you the past, nor does it predict the future, but it will describe your strengths or weaknesses at the present time. You can build upon your strengths, spotlight those traits, and then you can deal honestly and openly with the weaknesses by having answers ready for the interviewer. In other words, if the interviewer asks you a question and you know that's not one of your strengths, you can honestly say, that's not a strength, but I, I know that and I've been working on it and realize it. If you're honest in an interview, it goes a lot further than if you make up a story because they're going to find out about you one way or the other. I'd like to present the stories of Susan, Garrett, and Larry, whom I helped to get jobs. Actually, I didn't help them get the job, but I kind of prepared them for it. All three had their handwriting analyzed and were put, and we put together a package for them to present to their possible employee, employers. At 47, Susan had a good job she enjoyed at the corporate headquarters of a major company, one you would know. After a sale and merger, she was let go. Susan spent several months sending out resumes, resume after resume. She went on several interviews and learned that Major corporations were not interested since she had previously been employed in at such a position in another company. This kind of hands-off policy is rather common in the corporate world. Susan contacted me after a friend of her told about her about handwriting analysis. She was both skeptical and curious. I assured her that having her handwriting analyzed would be helpful for her. First thing I noticed was her empathy. I told Susan that the corporate world was not the best fit for her, but that she should work with the public directly, that she would enjoy socializing, and and she said she belonged to numerous clubs but never connected those two things. I said that she would be much happier working with people. Using Lambert's vocational inventory, that's a very... Famous and used inventory as, as far as vocations go, we helped Susan classify her talents and ability into actual careers. We transferred the findings to the Occupational Finder by John Holland. Susan fit into the social category, friendly, caring, and helping towards others. Individuals like Susan quickly develop relationships, and they easily communicate with those around them. We talked about related fields such as historian, teacher, librarian, minister, or some service occupation. Susan jumped at the idea of librarian. She could use her administrative skills, her communication skills, and combine this with her love of reading. She spoke with several librarians, and this helped to cement her desire. She went back to school, got a Small scholarship, which is fairly easy to get these days. She got the small scholarship, and with 18 months, Susan had her library degree. Susan is happily employed as assistant librarian in Scottsdale, Arizona. 
And that would probably not have occurred if she did not have her handwriting analyzed. Now, Garrett is a much different story. Garrett was unhappy with his current job, and he found ways to avoid going to work because he hated it. He started drinking and became depressed. There was no room for advancement in his job. He did not like most of his fellow workers, and he felt that his job did not fit his personal needs. Garrett found my website and contacted me. He asked me several questions, mostly about my background and what experience I had in handwriting analysis. About a week later, Garrett contacted me and asked if I would read his handwriting. Interestingly, he mailed me several pages of handwriting. Usually I get one or two paragraphs. But he handwrited, it was three, it was seven pages of handwriting, much more than necessary. But he said he wanted to be sure that I had every letter of the alphabet in every situation. By examining all those pages of handwriting, I knew exactly why he sent me such an extensive sample. He is a precise individual who loves to solve problems and details are very important to him. No wonder he was not happy in his sales job. Dealing directly with different people all the time frustrated him. He rarely, he rarely built a relationship and he never found out information about the buyer. Garrett would have been much happier designing the product he sold rather than selling the product. Garrett likes to observe, learn, and solve problems. He is a self-motivator and naturally curious. We talked about professions that would fit his qualities, scientist, statistician, lab assistant, or in computer technology. Now, Garrett's hobby was working on computers, but he didn't consider it as a profession. At the end of our conversations, he was excited. He had some money saved, and he decided to open a computer repair store in a strip mall. He gave his company 30 days' notice, and within two weeks, he opened his business part-time. He works 12 to 15 hours a day, loves it. And after only one month, the business is profitable. When I have a computer problem, Garrett's the first person I call. That's another success story connected with handwriting analysis. We're going to talk about Larry and his story. Remember, we return. We're going to take a little break. You're talking and listening to Handwriting Secrets Revealed. Listening to Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com with your host, Dave Grayson. Today we're talking about some uh, success things that we achieve through handwriting analysis, trying to give you an idea of how it can help you in ways um, it can be a benefit for you. Uh, we talked about Susan, we talked about Garrett, now I'd like to talk about Larry. By the way, all these people said that I could talk about them and their story. Larry had just graduated from junior college and hoped to attend a major university for his final two years, but he did not know what he wanted to do. He knew he did not want to spend a great deal of money and find out what he studied would not be his vocation. He heard about me through a college counselor, and he contacted me and asked me to have his handwriting analyzed. He sent me a sample of his handwriting, and then we set up a coaching call. The items that struck out at first glance were his attention to detail 
and his concentration. Larry said that he always enjoyed math and it was easy for him in school because the concentration portion, but the consecration, the, can't talk today, but the concentration portion bothered him as he felt this was how he avoided problems. He hid from things by concentrating and ignoring everything else. To me, those two traits shouted out accounting. However, I did not want to influence Larry, as I prefer the individual to decide on his own. If if you see something and you try to force something on somebody else, it doesn't really work. Another trait showed in the handwriting was organizational ability, and Larry said he did not realize that he was organized. I think the concentration was hiding that fact. We discussed some possible vocations. We talked about banking, the stock market, accounting, printing, reservation agent. He told me he does tax returns for friends during tax time. He always used the money he got from doing extra tax return finances to take care of his vacation each year. But he never thought that accounting or tax consulting could be a career. He felt he couldn't deal with that. So we talked again, and he considered the traits found in his handwriting and thought, well, they do fit. By the third coaching call, Larry had researched colleges and focused on business and accounting. He said that he had new excitement about life and that he could not wait to return to the classroom. Larry enrolled at a prestigious university for his last two years, received a full scholarship because of his unique math skills, and got a job with a private accounting and tax firm. Larry also took a part-time job as adjunct mathematics professional uh, professor at a local junior college. He is now my accountant, and the best word of advertising is by mouth. Now, I have folders of successful clients whose handwriting I have analyzed and who have, and I've coached. And although each of them find the right path, they should have not succeeded without the personal drive. They need the personal drive. They need the ability to see themselves as a different person, as flexible and able to adapt their skills. If you're looking for a job in the fast food, retail, or entry-level position, it's probably not going to be helpful to have your handwriting analyzed. These jobs usually require online applicants, which include a resume and a few questions in place of a live interview. Save your money, and when you think you're ready for a promotion or you want to enter a different field or feel you've proven your work record, now you want to improve yourself, that's the time to have your handwriting analyzed. And I'll be more than happy to guide you through the the process. When we use handwriting analysis to discover the best vocation for you, we follow the criteria. If you're in the artistic area, we look at artist or cook, dancer, designer, entertainer, journalist, music, photographer, or writer. If you're in the conventional area, we kind of look at accounting, bank cashier, office worker, printer, construction worker, computer work, proofreader, secretary. If you're in the enterprise zone, we look more as a, as a banker, an entrepreneur, a judge, a lawyer, manager, market analysis, retailer, sales, 
or systems analysis, and we can look at the handwriting and kind of put these different aptitudes and the talents you have and the traces that show in your handwriting into these categories, and and this kind of gives you some idea of areas you can uh, explore. We're not confining you to these things, but these are just ways to begin your thought process of what you'd like to do. If you come under the investigative category, we're looking at a banker, a scientist, a lab assistant, a math teacher, medicine or pharmacist, research, again, computer skills or statistician. A lot of these overlap, so it gives you a kind of a broad range of things. If you fall into the realistic area, it's an athlete or a banker or carpenter, electrician, a contractor, maybe joining the military, uh, a machinist, a pilot, doing word processing. Uh, these are in the realistic category. If the different traits in your handwriting, and again in the um, Holland Aptitude Social Skills come together, if it's in the social area, it, we look at administration or education, historian, librarian, maybe a minister or a nurse, a psychologist, going into politics or even teaching. New vocational prospects open every single year. The important thing is to keep looking at various possibilities and to keep the door open to change and to additional success. Stay attuned to your options and realize that opportunities arise at all times. Sometimes where you least expect them, something will open up. I suggest that every 7 to 10 years, when you get this inkling to look at something else, have your handwriting analyzed. Doing this might pique your interest in something you had never thought about before and might lead you to develop new ideas and new goals. It's never too late to create a fresh outlook on life and on your situation. Remember, there's always room for for improvement. And as you know as you age, from 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 to 60, world looks a little bit different. The outlook's a little bit different. Uh, where you're working may not be the same. Where you're working may not fit the needs that you had when you were 30. Now you're 50, maybe don't fit the same way. So you want to find some other areas to look at. We can help you with that through handwriting analysis. So there's lots of ways to use handwriting analysis. And we hope you'll again check out our website handwritingsecretsrevealed.com. We've enjoyed having you today. Hope you enjoyed the program. We'll see you again next time. Until then, this is Dave Grayson signing off.